Hi, Graham Norton here on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose for another podcast. Let's get cracking, shall we? Claire Balding pops in to tell me all about her new book, Isle of Dogs. Show chef is back from her holly bobs and brings me pork belly. Thank you very much, Martha. And Maria McCurlin is here. We'll be putting our heads together to answer your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Let's cross to her now. Hello, Maria. How are you? (laughs) I'm good, thank you. It's blue sky. But hey, a bit chilly on the hands on the bike. It was a little bit chilly. You know, suddenly the weather is weird. It doesn't kind of incrementally go down. It just goes warm, 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 hot. Cold. Minus four snow in places. Yeah, I just heard on the yeah, news yeah, that yeah. it's going to get really a icy blast. Yes. When is it's that? An Arctic blast. When is that happening? Now. Oh. We're in it. We're in it. <laughs> Because I can feel myself. I mean, I'm sure I, in a former life I was a bear or a dormouse because I can feel myself sort of nodding off in the afternoons now, thinking... Mm. <laughs> is, is that the weather? <laughs> thinking, oh, it's time to hibernate. Because you do think, oh, yes, a lovely warming soups and, you know, bed and fires. Yeah. And then after 10 minutes, you're bored and you think, oh, I wish it was summer again. But that nice sleep thing, I think I want, I'm looking forward to getting to the age when you actually say, well, I'm going for my sleep now. In the afternoon? Yeah, where, you know, you've had your lunch and uh, I'll pretend to read a book and then I'll have a nice... I know lots of friends who do it who are younger than me who say, no, 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 have a little uh, sleep in the afternoon and then you're raring to go for the evening. (sighs) I quite like going to bed. Yes. I like somebody, I was looking on something or other, um, who said, you know, I like to, I love being in bed so much that I go to bed six hours before I need to so that I can really enjoy being in bed because basically when you go to bed you're asleep um, I can really enjoy the being in bed experience yeah. that person does not have a dog <laughs> that's true because I, I often I look at people who don't have dogs and I think oh you're able to take your shoes off <laughs> <laughs> you can put pyjamas on at six o'clock no it's the, not... e- the evening one is the worst one and I've my puppy is now eight months old and still can't ride a bike can't ride a bike <laughs> is not master the hoovering oh and leaves who's me de- training this thing leaves me deposit no at eight months, months old. old wow I know but a boy you see very slow on the uptake <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have carpets Yes. Oh, No, dear. I mean, I monitor and I've got pads everywhere. And But I do think that one day I'm going to let myself into this cottage and it will just be, you know, urine. It will just be ammonia coming back at me. I do. I'm so used to scrubbing and white vinegar. Do you know the yeah. white vinegar trick to get the stain off? Oh, is it? Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, did you not know that? For my, now, do- for my dotage when I start <laughs> having accidents. <laughs> but now my house smells of white vinegar as well. <laughs> Yes, but, I'm having I'm having a kind of a vision of go walking to the Lion House in London Zoo. <laughs> it's like, whoa, who lives here? But I've done all the things that the trainer said, and still I don't know what to do. I think I might have to give this dog back. No, uh, <laughs> no, I won't. A little dog nappy. That's what you need. It's a little nappy. Yeah. Do dogs have nappies? No, I think sometimes the lady dogs have those little pads. Oh yes, if of they're course. in season. How yes. was your week? What have you done? Anything exciting? Uh, I must have done something. Me just hibernating, really. I don't. Th- did I leave the house at all? 
did a show. Oh, yes, I did that. Yes, I met some celebrities on Thursday night. Yeah, and then it was, uh, I love Laura Linney. And it's a shame you weren't able to talk about the C word. I mean, you couldn't talk about any. I mean, I'm saying the C word like I can't say it. Yeah, no, that's the name for a show. It's right, a show, but you couldn't <laughs> talk about anything because of the strike. And was she also in the far, no, uh, oh, the lakes thing where they were all... Oh, my goodness. What am I trying to say? I have no idea. Oh, it was the on, lake thing. It was on during lockdown. It, uh, lake uh, in America where rednecks live. Ozark? Thank you. Oh, OK. Was that her? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so you couldn't talk about that either? Uh, look, I'll let you have a nap. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll just put you down for a few minutes. I feel we haven't really spoken. <laughs> and then, and then you, can, you can bounce back with energy uh, to do your letters. Uh, it's uh, not a good day today. <laughs> And you're out tonight, I know. Because you're going to see Madonna. I'm going to see Madonna. Yeah. Are you going to see Madonna? I am going to see Madonna. Are we going together? We're all going to see Madonna. Excellent. Will you wake me up when we get there? I will, of course. <laughs> I'll wake you up for any of the songs you know. Holiday. Yeah. Yes. Any, any of the songs pre-1990. Life is a mystery. Well, I, we, there we must leave, Maria. <laughs> Virgin Radio. Okay, are you ready um, for the first problem of the day? Born ready. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, for the love of God, please help us. I say us because I'm writing on behalf of several people in a busy London office. I already don't like this person. One of the... (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't take much. (laughs) One of the ladies in this office has, in the past year, discovered a perfume that they really like. It's one of those very powerful ones where all you need is the tiniest spritz to let everybody around you know that you are spectacularly pungent. Sadly and eye-wateringly, she has developed a frightening immunity and covers herself in a nostril-stinging amount every morning. It's so powerful that going in a lift with her becomes unbearable. I've talked to several colleagues and one is considering an anonymous HR complaint because he sits down wind of her. Unfortunately for all of us, she sits near the water machine and when I go there to rehydrate, I break into a spontaneous coughing fit and my eyes water so badly that colleagues sometimes ask me if I'm okay. Eating would be pointless as I can't taste anything. We get it. But But this lung Busting perfume for at least an hour after filling my water bottle. Honestly, it's like being facially frotted by a rampant musk ox. Shush now. She's a bright, breezy and very popular member of the office and nobody wants to hurt her feelings, but how do we let her know without offending her? Please help us before we have our noses surgically removed. And that is from Chris in London, who has swallowed the thesaurus, the thesaurus, <laughs> the whatever. Um, Chris in London. Um, <sighs> it's a first world problem. Um, but listen, before you go to HR and you're all in, in agreement about this, surely one of you has the cojones to mention to her. You know, you make light of it. You make a joke of it. It's not like it's B.O. or garlic breath or whatever. It's a something she's chosen but it's too strong so you make it just say oh not that perfume again you have a whip round and you buy her something that is completely the opposite and say look we cannot bear that perfume anymore ha 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 so look we bought you a new one which we all really like odor o <laughs> yes because really the poor girl is doing her best and you're right sometimes when people are loving a perfume it's on their clothes and then they put extra on in the morning and they get nose blind to it and it's completely overwhelming and it's unpleasant so just have a word with her 
She's a nice girl. She's jolly. She doesn't want to upset anybody in the office. If she knew that you were all laughing and talking about her behind her back, she'd be cross. So man up, person up, whatever the yes. phrases we're allowed to say anymore, and just say, oh... Barbara, I'm calling her. Yeah. Barbara. You that, stink. <laughs> that perfume is so overwhelming and everybody is feeling a bit sick. Well, I think, isn't there two? Because it's been in the last year. I think it's kind of go, uh, I think you could go, Barbara, can you still smell your perfume? <laughs> because we can't, like, I think you're you're kind of overdoing it. I think, and, you know, and I think everyone understands that. She'll go, oh, God, sorry. And she might lay off a bit. But in the end, she's just going to be the honky one down the end. And uh, there you go. But in this tiny office, and probably people don't open the windows, it's, it is overwhelming. I think you sound like a fun guy, Chris. With all your... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say to you, why not pop along to a... Um, costume a higher place oh, yes. and however many people are in your office you hire some uh, gas masks <laughs> from the war <laughs> and one day you all come in wearing them and she says Barbara says what the and you say do you get it now it's your perfume we're choking here <laughs> and then you take lots of funny videos and everyone has a brilliant laugh and Human resources say you are the funnest office in the land. And then you're all fired for bullying Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> for bully- Bar- bullying Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Barbara. Um, no, it must be quite a big office, I think, because someone can sit downwind of somebody. I mean, that's <laughs> There a- is no wind in an office. It's outside the mighty tundra. <laughs> um, do, you think, do you think Chris doesn't have a job? I, he's he's just think, sitting in the park all day. I think Chris <laughs> has spent rather too long on this letter. Um, yes, HR, HR will be annoyed when they hear it because did you write that on work time? Uh, <laughs> how long did it take you? Um, Chris in London, it's uh, uh, look one. I think punch the air because your life is so fabulous. This is your number one problem, mm-hmm. and I think that's always a good thing to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know but think- on the other hand, eight hours in pungent land is uh, yeah. not nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I think it. Uh, Maria's right. I think it's an e. Well, not easy, but it's a. It's possible to. Say it to Barbara without offending her wildly, because and you're not saying don't wear the perfume. I hate your perfume. You're just saying, oh, easy. Oh, I think you're a bit immune to that perfume now because the rest of us can really smell it. Um, but you want to do it in a sort of jokey fashion. I mean, the other thing is to go to one of those cheapy stores, um, sort of chemistry stores that everybody in the office who doesn't like this perfume, and you buy her a little bottle of you know no smell or stinky bomb or whatever, and then you leave it all on her desk. Yeah. So she's now got fourteen bottles of perfume to choose from it's also that weird thing isn't it where somebody leaves a room and then for the longest time you can still smell them that's an odd one I mean, Chris doesn't mention that, but uh, yeah, I think no, it is I'm a... surprised he doesn't. Maybe he edited that out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from his first draft. <laughs> but well done on this final draft, Chris. It's, be- it's a work of beauty. I think it's still too overdone. <laughs> too many adjectives. Dare responses, part one. And my favourite responders today will be getting <gasps> Japan menu, slow-cooked jackfruit with Japanese-inspired chilli barbecue sauce. You heard me. Jackfruit slow-cooked in a herb and spice rub with a Japanese-inspired barbecue sauce a texture and taste sensation our slow cooked jackfruit is delicious stirred through rice or stuffed into steamed buns steady waitros uh, it comes with a japanese inspired barbecue sauce yes i mentioned that already tracy is a hr director tracy knows what she's talking about let's find out chris needs to get a grip <laughs> 
I like Tracy as a HR director. Come on, Tracy. Chris needs to get a grip. I think Chris needs to get help for his or her issues instead of drumming up support for your negative behaviour and thoughts about a colleague. An anonymous letter to HR sounds like a bigger issue, e.g. bullying. Have a tactful, fun conversation with your colleague and don't hurt them. Be respectful. Good. Well said, Tracy. Hi, Graham and Maria. Graham misspelt already. You're so not getting a Japanese menu. Uh, Darren Manchester. I have a suggestion for Chris. He should move up north in an office there, but could simply say, uh, Barbara, have you had a bath in it? <laughs> and that would be the end of the matter. Okay, nice. <laughs> Where is he? Oh, he's in London. Uh, as it is coming up to Christmas, do a secret Santa, which has been prearranged. Oh, Ruth and Starbridge, this has disaster written all over it. The office can then decide the smell they want and buy it. When she is not wearing it, she'll be asked what her secret Santa was and she will then wear it the next day, hopefully. You are welcome. Love your show. I think the problem, Ruth, though, is that whatever she has, she's just she's just going to go a bit heavy on it. So it's not that they don't like the smell. It's just that there's a bit much of it. It's just it's a bit overpowering. Hi, Graham Maria Re-Perfume Gate. I had the exact same issue with a dear friend of mine, and she bathes in her perfume. It made me nauseous, and I got furious headaches from it. I literally had to avoid her on outings. I mentioned this to her sensitively, and we've agreed, when we are together, she doesn't wear it. Problem solved. Maybe this would be a conversation with their work colleague. Just be grown-ups about it. It's not what you say. It's with care and love how you say it. So says Paul in Sheffield. Well done. Uh, I am going to give the a Japanese Japan menu slow cooked jackfruit Japanese inspired chili barbecue sauce to Tracy, uh, the HR director. Thank you very much. Graham's guide. Mm. Okay, this is a thorny one. Second problem, dear Graham and Maria, I have been with my partner brackets on and off for five years. He's always been in different jobs, which means that we end up not being able to live in the same place. Last year, we committed to a dog together, and three months later. He accepted a job that took him abroad. We agreed that he would go away for a year, but then come back, <clears throat> excuse me, so we can be a proper family. A month ago, brackets two months before the year was up, he told me that he was going to stay for an extra six months and that he's already planning for his next job, brackets, that also takes him away again for once he returns. I have always wanted to support him in his career and want him to be happy, but I can't help but feel that this has all been quite one-sided. We're both in our early 30s and I see no sign of a solid commitment from him. He knows that I've wanted to have a proper family life, but I feel that we're not on the same page with this. Please help as I'm unsure whether to walk away or stick it out another six months and see. And that is from Hannah in Wales. Oh, Hannah in Wales. This is a relationship? I mean, when you say one-sided, you reckon? Because rather than writing to us, Hannah in Wales, you need to be talking to him. I mean, he's having his cake and eating it too. Just announcing to you that, you know, two months before the year is up, that he's going to, oh, I'm just going to extend it for another six months and I'm already planning for my next job, which will also be away. And, oh, P.S., how's the dog? You know, I mean, he's taking you for granted. He is playing you like a Stradivarius, Hannah in Wales. And I think you've accepted this role of kind of, you know, underdog almost. So you're letting him do this. And he is... 
What about your career? What about your life? What about what your expectations are? Um, I'm surprised that it's gone on as long as it has and it's got as bad as it has because he is not just consulting you about this anymore. He is just announcing this to you. Oh, yeah, and then I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah, and then I'm going to... Um, I met somebody in those extra six months and uh, I'm leaving. Bye. How long before that happens? What do you think, Graham? Well, I think the good news, Hannah, is you've got a dog. Uh, <laughs> I knew you were going to look for the positive. That's the that's the that's the, the the silver lining here. You've got a dog, and that's lovely, and that dog will love you. Um, this man, I mean, look. In a way, I you know, kind of. What did you expect, Hannah? Clearly, whatever he does, we don't know what it is. Is abroad. Whatever job he does, he's an airline pilot. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just does one ways. <laughs> He never comes back. Um, so he's, uh, you know, so whatever he does, he's he's away, he's abroad. So, yes, in the fullness of time, it'd be lovely to have a family here and whatever. But what he does means he won't be here. So you've kind of there backed the wrong horse. Here. But what does he do? What, I mean, he can't, no, he, he's not waiting tables somewhere abroad. You know, he's obviously got, he's working on an oil rig or he's, I don't know what he's doing, but it's something <laughs> that doesn't happen in Wales where Hannah is. Yeah. So she's kind of backed the wrong horse if, because this is a guy who will never be around all the time. But I kind of feel that at some point in their relationship, he would have said to her, OK, here's my five year plan. I'm going to be doing this. I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be doing that. It's just like he's he's uh, playing it by ear. And yeah. instead of saying I'm going to get a job back home, because that's clearly what she's waiting for, unless he does work on an oil rig. And I'm guessing that, you know, not much oil in Wales, mm. no, famously not. Um, I, I just think, I just think, you know, you got together in your mid to late twenties. You were young; it was fun, and it's gone on now for five years, on and off. So, you know, the, the level of commitment required for him to keep this relationship going seems minimal. Um, now, is he paying you some rent? Is he helping you live in a nicer place? While he's away, we don't yes, know. Yes, are you benefiting from his abroad jobs, meaning that they probably pay more than they pay here, let's face it. Yeah. Um, so we don't know. But Hannah, I, I agree with Maria, it, this is a conversation you need to have to, with him. If you are serious about this, you need to you need to say, you know, you need to, ultimatum is a terrible word, but kind of, mm. you need to put, say, look, this is what I need. To keep this relationship going, this is what I require. And put a deadline on it and if he misses that deadline then Hannah you know pop you the, and the dog pop the lead on mm-hmm. and uh, put some poo bags but in your pocket and uh, head out even the style of Hannah's letter I mean she doesn't mention anything about her other than that she wants to settle down so he's going to say when you say look ooh, I thought you were going to work back here now and we could settle down he's going to say well yeah but my job is really important and what do you do nothing you walk the dog. Hello, somebody's got to walk the dog. I know, but he's going to kind of stamp, stamp on her because he's going to say, my job is very, very important and if I choose to do this forever, I, I think he's just... Well, I also, think he's looking for a better op- offer, frankly. Well, no, isn't it that thing that he's, he's young, he's building a career and he's chosen his career over her and that's what he's done and Hannah, you know, it's time to realise that is what he is doing and you will always be a second choice to him over this career. And if you can't cope with that, then now's the time to get out. And if he's been away for what seems like the best part of five years, uh, then this isn't a relationship. This is someone who looks after his dog. 
Yeah. And has a hot meal when on the days that he d- deigns to return. Yeah. Uh, change your hair and see if he recognises you when you get back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, if the dog fails to recognise him, he's been away too long. There. Yeah. No, haven't you seen those videos of soldiers coming back after four years? <laughs> oh, there's a really funny one. Of, of, it's only made of a cat reacting to a soldier coming back after months. And the cat doesn't even look up. The <laughs> <laughs> um, responses, part two. And again, my favourite responder will be getting Japan menu. Slow-cooked jackfruit with Japanese-inspired chilli barbecue sauce. You heard me. Uh, oh, dear. Stephanie in Rutland. Advice for Hannah. Run away. <laughs> oh, no. This is not a relationship. He's treating you with complete contempt, really. I suspect he has... He has go-had someone else abroad and is hedging his bets. Oh, dear. You are worth more than that. Uh, go and find yourself someone who cares about you and who wants a relationship. In the meantime, you have your faithful dog and hopefully friends to support and have fun with. Uh, to Hannah in Wales, you're essentially living a single life without him. Be brave. Rip the band-aid off and end it and start living life for you, so says Cat in Cambridgeshire. Oh, let's check in with Nick Robinson from West Malling. Malling? Mailing? Uh, Hannah, he doesn't ask your opinion, nor has he appeared to invite you to join him abroad. So clearly you are not important to him. Best waste no more time and dump him ASAP. Oh dear, this is a bit bleak, Hannah. I'm so I thought someone might have a cheery word for you, but no. Uh, Susan in Hackney. Oh, Hannah. I can pretty much guarantee this is how this is going to go. You and he will drag this out for another six months. Then you'll eventually split up. He will then find someone else immediately, settle down with them in Wales and have a family. You'll be left reeling and wondering why you wasted so much of your life on this guy. Save yourself the time. Get out now. I mean, Susan, you've... I mean, yeah, probably right. They often do do that, don't they? Kind of like, yeah, you know those people who kind of like, no, I don't want kids, and then you break up, and then... The first thing they do is have a kid with someone. I was <laughs> like, okay, just with me. You didn't want to have a kid. Uh, Hannah in Wales, I'm sorry. Uh, not better news for you there. Uh, let's give the... Uh, I, I think the, the the kindest advice was from Kat in Cambridgeshire. So you get the Japan menu, slow-cooked jackfruit. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hello, Claire. <laughs> Hello, morning. How lovely <laughs> to see you. And I've had a long chat with Maria as well, so all my problems are solved. Oh, fantastic. I know, it's great. Yeah, life is good. Yes. Yeah, you're unemployed and single now, but, uh, <laughs> but Maria's really helped. <laughs> she's very sympathetic. <laughs> oh, no, she's been great. Yeah, she's really helped. Uh, Isle of Dogs, it's such a, it's a, such a kind of simple idea, and yet I don't think anyone's done it before. And it's funny because I pitched it as a TV show for years. I should have come to you, Graham. I should have said, what do you think? Because you'd have liked it. And and everyone kept saying no. And I'm thinking, I think this is a really good idea. So I thought, I'll write it. And off I went, travelling around the country, meeting people doing amazing things with dogs, meeting wonderful dogs, and, and in a way, a bit of therapy. I think, to get over the loss of our dog, Archie, who sadly departed this life um, in uh, lockdown. And I and I spoke to you and actually you said something that really moved me, which is that decision that you make to take your dog to the vet is the last really kind act you do for them. Yeah. And and so I keep repeating that to everyone. I said, Graham Norton told me. But isn't it, though? <laughs> yeah, it is. Because it's, it's sort of, you, it's know, such a lovely thing you can do. I know, but yeah. it's so sad. And and you do feel that whole sort of, you know, 
judgment of when is right. And I miss him terribly. And he wasn't a perfect dog by any means. Of course he wasn't. And and very few are. Although I've met some perfect dogs. Oh, my word. Well, in this, I mean, some of these dogs... So talk to us about some of... Because some of these dogs can do amazing things. I went... Uh, talk to us about the, the most skillful dog you met. The, yes. Well, I went to um, Dogs for Good, which is a great charity. So down the M40. And they're not very big. They breed their own dogs. And they're all retriever Labrador crosses. Mm-hmm. And then they train them to do specific things. So they can either help somebody who needs physical assistance they can put stuff in the washing machine they can help them get dressed they can open doors they can push lift buttons um, pick up things if you drop them but also give anyone and this is probably true of guide dogs hearing dogs as well they give an individual a person confidence they go out there and I was doing an event in Ely Cathedral last night and a girl came up to talk to me with her dog with her assistance dog afterwards she got hers through Canine Partners another very good charity and she said it completely changes the way people engage with her and she's in a wheelchair and the dog is incredibly helpful and supportive but she said it's just transformational and all of these dogs are making a really big difference but I went to see puppy training and the first thing they do is the sort of socialisation. And these are little fat puppies that just run around and are thrilled to see each other because lots of them are brothers and sisters. So you can imagine they're giddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was one called Shuey, named after Michael Schumacher, who was just so cool. He was like the coolest puppy in the room, just sat there going, yeah, I know I'm special. And as they go through the, you know, as they go through the age group, so I saw them in kindergarten, then I saw them in primary schools, next class in, then I saw secondary school, then I saw the university graduate. Oh, he was very impressive. He could do a multitude of things. I think yeah. basically he could take your final finals for you. I always feel when I meet a very well-behaved dog that some of it they've been brainwashed. <laughs> because it's not natural. <laughs> no. And none of our dogs could do it, could they? No. I mean, literally, no, what's the cleverest a, thing? Yeah, it's, the only, it's the only way I can make sense of how bad to be <laughs> my dogs are because I, because I look at those dogs and I go, oh no, they're, brain, they're brainwashed. Because it, because it does. I mean, that is what's so amazing about assistance dogs yeah. is they're able to shut off so much of their dogginess. But also that when the harness goes on, they know they're in work mode. Yeah. And when the harness comes off, they relax. Did you see that lovely programme that Martin Clunes did that was on the other night about Laura, the guide dog, who was retiring oh, and no. he was taking her to give her a retirement and as soon as her harness comes off she knows that's it Just, oh, you know and yeah. the harness never needs to go back on again and therefore they're not in work mode I'm not like that are you like that do you have a uniform for work that when you put it on you know you're in work mode no I don't no no no. and also because our work is so I different, different. It's, it's, it's but lovely. even writing yeah. and you know this is it, it, the discipline of writing I wish I had a harness like, maybe that's what I should do <laughs> put on a little hat or something I used to have at school I used to wear a, a thinking hat oh my goodness yeah, it was a little bucket I, <laughs> you, I was you surprised into, me Claire <laughs> I was into bucket caps way before they were fashionable I put this bucket hat on and that would help me I I had a theory that would keep all the thoughts in my brain (laughs) so dogs now obviously they assist us and they do actual jobs but they've been companions Mm. for thousands of years oh yeah I went into a tomb in the Orkney Islands on mainland Orkney that had chambers for the dogs of this um, you know this guy who lived there farming and the dogs all had chambers around the family Tomb, and that was 5,000 years old. I mean, that's so we're going yeah. back to. 
Neolithic times and, and we know the Egyptians obviously buried they had with well, Egyptian well, there's a pharaoh hound which is one of the oldest breeds rather elegant like a kind of whippety oh yes, thing. That, you know yes the one. I know the one and yeah. they yeah, really yeah. dance they look lovely yeah. they do um, and so we know there are these really ancient breeds For and, and interestingly so in this country the big expansion in breeds was during the reign of Queen Victoria for two reasons one because her subjects were going off you know building the empire and they would bring back a dog because the Queen liked dogs so Consequently, she got a Pekingese raided from the summer palace in Peking and called Lucy. Um, and she was very into pugs. And there's a classic photo of her where you know the whole thing about looking like your dog. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> um, but there's also another lovely photo of her with one of her colleagues in mourning for Prince Albert. And that got released as a carte de visite and was the equivalent of the biggest Instagram hit you've ever seen. Everyone bought yeah. it because that was they hadn't seen the Queen for months, and suddenly there was this picture of her with her dog in you know all in black, but at least sort of having some emotional connection with another living being. Now, uh, Claire Balding. Yes. Uh, Lorraine and Giles are regular correspondents to this show, and uh, I think Lorraine's been in charge to say that Giles once took part in a who could tackle the hardest competition. Uh, at a rugby final in Twickenham. Do you want? Do you remember yes, this? Yes, I do. I remember running at a um, at a big, yeah, at a at a sort of machine thing that then was going to measure it. So at a soft, squishy yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, here you beat Giles. Did I? Yeah. Uh, Giles probably let me win. <laughs> I really don't think he did. <laughs> um, I ought to mention this book does have a co-author. Oh yes. Alice is very excited because she's written oh, a chapter. Of course, she's yes. written a chapter. She's yes. written a chapter, and our literary agent very cleverly sent a bunch of flowers to both of us, saying Happy Publication Day. So Alice has gone all big, you know. Oh, it's my <laughs> publication day. I uh, said, Do you want to do any of the interviews for me? No. <laughs> so far, no. Uh, and gorgeous illustrations. Yes, by Jessica Holm, who's just fantastic, and also she was very much my sounding board when I needed, you know, professional advice. So, for example. The mating process between dogs is quite complicated. And so, dis- distress it. We were just quite distressing. distressing to witness. Yes, and I did witness it by mistake when I was a child to our two lurchers at it. <laughs> and so I had to ring Jessica and say, can you just explain to me why were they facing back to back like a push-me-pull-you? Any- anyway, that is explained in there in case you need to know. That's very lovely. How traumatic as a child. Anyway, Jessica does that, but she's also done the illustrations and they're gorgeous. <laughs> uh, oh, someone's also, uh, Toby and Reddy's been in touch, uh, say, love hearing you on the show. And uh, and Toby and his wife religiously watch the Crufts uh, competition every year and enjoy your commentary uh, commentary th- thoroughly. Is Crufts changing? Is it is it kind of changing with the times? Yeah, I, I mean, I think way more different events um, involved in it. So the agility is a big part of it, but also fly ball. Canny Cross I talk about in here, which is where people go running with their dogs in front yeah, of them. Yeah, do you yeah. ever do that? No, no. no, no. I, yeah. But those that do love it. And there's a real community in all of those different activities that you can do with your dog. You make a whole group, a different social life. Yeah. And you know how we make friends with people who are dogs go and sniff their, you know. Yes. Exactly. But also what I think, the, but you talk there. in the book about how weird it is coming back from a walk without a lead, oh. you know, because I see people walking and I think they look crazy if they don't have a dog. Well, I do. <laughs> I have done a walking programme for a very long time yeah. that Maria listens to. The rambling it's, one. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. She, she says if, if she knows that if she hasn't put her knickers on by the time I'm getting towards the end of the programme, she's going to be late for the show. <laughs> she told me that, very personal. But yes, so I do realise there's walking without dogs, but, you know, it does feel... Strange. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And we've got to mention your Channel 5 show, which was such a huge hit. Well, we've got to rename it because it was called Lost Dogs Live with Claire Balding. But written down, that does look like 
Lost Dogs Live with Claire Balding. In <laughs> if, which case, if you're looking for your dog. <laughs> I've got it. So <laughs> I think we're going to call it. And also because we had some success in finding dogs. So Lost Dogs Found Dogs. And that will be back in the new year on Channel 5. Exciting, isn't it? Wow. And how do people get in touch? I mean, do the researchers go out and find Lost Dogs? Wait, yes, sorry. they do. And But what was interesting do is even within... Do they kidnap dogs and then kind of go, <laughs> you lost your dog. Oh, we found it. Happy ending. <laughs> Great. Yes, that's exactly, that's so good. What, exactly yeah. what we They're do. all in a big office somewhere in Channel 5. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Wait, waiting for the show to go live. <laughs> no, we do not do that. <laughs> and the, quite, what's lovely about it is you can expand it and deal with behavioural issues, uh, training, all sorts of other things about dogs that generally speaking we don't see on telly except when Crofts is on. So yeah. from four days of Crofts you suddenly got six weeks hopefully of Lost yeah. Dogs Found Dogs or Lost Dogs Live with Claire Balding. And very, very, where are they there? Uh, uh, very quickly, I just want to talk, you talk about uh, rescuing dogs in, in the book because I think it's such a lovely thing to do, but we can't pretend that it isn't challenging. No, and also they won't make it easy for you and nor should they. Both Battersea and the Dogs Trust um, will go through a whole questionnaire. I mean, this is, you know, more difficult than your first job application. Yeah. We'll be trying to prove that you will give a great home to a certain dog, but you will be matched with a dog that suits you and your needs and your family situation it's a great thing to do and actually the dogs trust i'm very um involved with now and i spent time with them at their newbury center but consequently as and when the time is right um they are very happy to be in touch with me and i i will have to fill out the questionnaire but the one big thing i'd say is if you're ever going to get a dog either as a rescue or as a puppy if you think you can click a button and have a dog arrive tomorrow, you are feeding an illegal market because that is not going to happen with responsible breeders or responsible rescue homes. It, they are going to make it... They're going to try and make sure they know that dog is going to the right place. Yeah, some, it's a weird thing because if you're, if you're up for it, it's great and it's, it's the happiest experience of your life. But I think so many people think they're going to like it and it, they figure out it's such a huge responsibility. Well, there are more dogs in the country than there have ever been, 13 million. And I'm afraid more dogs in rescue centres than ever, ever before. Is that a post-lockdown thing? Yes. Oh, mm, dear. Mm. And also, it is also a cost issue. You know, if a dog has, you know, severe, sudden veterinary requirements and you haven't got insurance and you can't afford it, actually the one responsible thing you can do is go to a charity that might be able to help. And the Dogs Trust are looking at trying to provide a fund whereby they can help with the veterinary um, requirements while the dog stays at home because actually that's the best yeah. situation for the dog to be in, otherwise really stressful. And to... I, f I forgot now, there is a really good charity that provides like a, what, what you can afford veterinary stuff is it blue cross i don't know uh, i'll google it i'll google it and tell you later but there is an amazing charity that you it's a what you can afford uh, yes. vets that you can oh pdsa is pd oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um which is an amazing organization yes it is and yeah. they and they do awards actually as well for do you, of do you host dogs. them? No, I don't, Graham. <laughs> but she is available. <laughs> <laughs> um, the book is called Isle of Dogs. It's out in hardback now and it's a fascinating thank read you. for anyone who enjoys dogs. Uh, Claire Bowling, thank you so much thank for coming in to much. see us. Uh, take care. Ding, ding. Martha's back. Yes, the trolley is back. A, a new, improved tro trolley. <laughs> Well, I don't know about improved, yeah. but it's new. It's bigger. I didn't source it myself. <laughs> I, 
discovered it in the kitchen. Uh, welcome back. We've missed you, Martha. Thank you. I've missed you too. I no, you been... haven't. <laughs> You've been delighted every weekend going, oh, I don't have to cook for that shower. <laughs> I hope you haven't been wasting away. Well, honestly, well, actually, somebody brought me food last Oh, Grace Dent brought me a scotch egg last week. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, it saved my life. Because I was just like, oh, this is the time when my, t- when my stomach expects something delicious. It's 11.45. <laughs> uh, what have we got today? So, today we are celebrating all things Japanese because waitresses have their new menu range out. Japan menu. As we have heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have a lovely collection of Japanese-inspired recipes. So, I'm doing two of those for you today. Mm. So, we've got a marmalade pork belly with soy and ginger. Go on. And some broccoli and walnuts with sesame sauce. And they're both recipes by Yuki Gomi, who is a Japanese chef. And these are in the uh, weekend newspaper this week? They are. I think it actually might be last week. Okay. But they're on the website. They, they've for been sure. in a weekend. <laughs> you might be able to root through your pile. And yeah, find I was it. on the website last night. <laughs> I cooked your udon noodles again. Oh, nice. Yes, there they were. Um, so, uh, how, you know, because I think people kind of, oh, Japanese cooking, it's going to be very kind of weird ingredients and very skillful and you need special pans and things like that. How difficult is it? So no special pans. You might want to take yourself down the Waitrose Cook's ingredients aisle and pick out some of the slightly more niche ingredients if you don't have dashy and (laughs) unusual things to some of us in your cupboard, but they're all very easy to find in store. Um, And it creates, it's such a lovely dish. I feel like Japanese food is so fresh and fragrant and particularly this dish, it's not like a, it's a pork belly and people think, oh my goodness, it's going to be so rich and so intense and I'm reading marmalade, I'm thinking sticky. It's actually a really lovely light kind of broth, kind of poached pork. Oh. So it's got a little bit of stickiness, hints of all those lovely flavours. You flavors. surprised me. I was hoping for a big, stodgy thing <laughs> like, covered in marmalade. I just want a hunk of fat covered in marmalade. Thank you very much. I'll see what I can do for next week. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that is kind of what you expect Japanese food to be. It is kind of lighter, isn't it? Yeah, it's very yeah. refined and you're supposed to be able to taste all of those lovely fresh flavours and the ginger and all of the lovely subtleties from the soy sauce and things like that. Yeah. And if, uh, you know, if you have a smaller waitrose near you or whatever... And they don't have all the ingredients. Are there alternatives? Are there things you could... Can you Google it kind of like what to use in case of... If I don't have Dashi, what could I use? Yeah, I would definitely have thought so. Yeah, yeah. And because there's so many lovely ingredients in there, changing one a little bit shouldn't... Well, or I feel like Yuki's going to be messaging one. me. <laughs> Excuse me, all the ingredients are absolutely necessary. Yeah. Don't change my recipe! I do feel it's that thing that sometimes, you, you know, you go to so much trouble to find something and then it's like put in half a teaspoon of it. You're like... Would this have been that different if I hadn't put that in? So, yeah, I'd say play fast and loose, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Okay, so lots to prepare here. Uh, What do we start with, the veg or the meat? We'll start with pork. So you want to take a pack, wait to sell pork belly slices. So all the hard work has basically been done for you. The big layer of fat's been taken off and you have these nice strips of meat. You want to cut them into seven centimetre sections. That's what the recipe says. Yeah, I believe you. Got my ruler out. (laughs) Yep. Um, And then we're placing them into a dish and covering with three tablespoons of lemon juice. And this is going to start to marinate it. It's not a long marinade, it's just 10 minutes. So set that to one side whilst you prep the rest. We're then going to make this kind of sauce broth hybrid. Take a bowl, we're putting in there ginger, some sake, which is a Japanese wine, um, dashi, which is a bit of a, like a veg, bit like a vegetarian broth, um, but actually no, it's not vegetarian, it's got tuna in it. <laughs> I was just thinking, yeah. is it vegetarian? No, it's not. Um, but a very salty broth. That's going in with some soy sauce and the marmalade, and then we're giving that a nice mix and setting that to one side. Then you want to take your pork, and we're going to sear it 
all over so it gets nice and golden mm -hmm. and then this was an interesting part of the recipe so this is traditional traditional japanese way to cook pork because once you've seared it stick it into a colander or into a sieve and pour over a whole kettle of boiling water and it kind of cleans and cleanses the meat before you add all the other lovely delicate flavors okay can you taste the, the clean <laughs> cleanliness i did think mm, somebody wash this carefully somebody yeah. carefully wash this with a kettle mm. um then we are sticking everything that we've already made so the pork some chopped leeks and all of that sauce into a pan bring it up to a boil and then 15 minutes at a low simmer and then that's ready Pork's your uncle. <laughs> Pork's your uncle. Yeah. Um, and then when you're serving it, you just want to take it out, serve it with a little bit of that um, cooking liquor as well, um, and then a little sprinkle of a cook's ingredient, sashimi togarashi, I believe is how you pronounce it. And it's a very spicy mix of herbs and spices with some seaweed in there, some orange peel, and some sesame seeds, black and white. So you get a lovely little kick on the top. That's a good thing. I might buy some of that. It's very good on eggs as well. If you want something well, a bit more like simple. Would, it sounds like it would cheer up anything. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it's uh, really good. Okay, so our pork is done. Mm -hmm. uh, while it's simmering, let's do our uh, broccoli. How do we make our broccoli? So the broccoli salad is really simple. We're just taking broccoli. We are cooking it for three minutes because you still want it to have a little bit of crunch in the Ooh, salad. Yes. You don't want a mushy... No. <laughs> a mushy puree. So three minutes in hot water and then grab that out of the pan and cover it in cold water just so it stops the cooking process then we're taking a couple of walnuts toasting them in a pan for a couple of minutes until they start to smell nice and fragrant then either pestle and water if you're feeling like putting some effort in or blender if you are feeling lazy like mm -hmm. me today <laughs> <laughs> the walnuts go into the blender along with some honey some tahini which is a sesame seed paste soy sauce and a bit of water blitz it up so you get a lovely kind of nice paste yeah then toss the broccoli through that and serve delicious it's all so good uh, if you like that recipe it it's online you can go to waitress.com slash show chef and you can find that recipe or indeed all of martha's recipes you could also check it out on our socials at virgin radio uk uh, you're back tomorrow i am uh, is it something japanese it's something japanese something for breakfast this time <gasps> a japanese breakfast Thanks so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.